0: Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on the show, I have Tracy Osborne, who is an author slash designer slash developer slash just a little bit of everything. And, you know, she often describes herself as she makes money using the internet. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I mean, I get, you have a number of books. I'm not surely sure how to qualify that, but um, I guess maybe tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing right now. Like, what do
1: you work for yourself? Are you an author full-time? Technically author full-time. I have, I, when people ask you what I do, sometimes I say author, but then I'm like, that's kind of a lie because I do a lot of other things. So sometimes I'll just say, I make money using the internet because I had just, have lots of little ventures and things that i i do because it all started out where i started the startup and i never really took off but it brings in money and i haven't i have employees i largely just take that startup take all the revenue from that and just punt it to my employees and then my vast majority of my time well not fast but majority of my time <laughs> is on these books which is like my joy my pride and joy But the books themselves uh, i love them and i think they're really awesome but they're not a full-time, like they don't bring in a full-time income on their own. So then I also do right. some development contracting and design contracting on the side. So lots of different things, lots of little like buckets, I, I, lots of little eggs and lots of baskets, I guess. Well, yeah,
0: which is so typical for a lot of independent folks, right? Mm-hmm. We've got all sorts of, you know, things to, to make that work. And I love that it's a myth that I keep trying to bust on
1: my show that like writing books can
0: always just automatically give you a full-time income.
1: <laughs> I know because there's a, there's people out there who are like, I wrote a book and I made 200,000 this year. It's so easy. Follow my steps with my book, my second book that teaches you how to write a book. That's right. What right. They do. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I know those always get me on deck and uh, cl- okay, we'll click away from this tab real quickly. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, and I think that there are absolutely folks can earn money through books however there's a lot of caveats to it
1: yeah yeah they've worked really well for me as an additional source of income and something that i i love doing and they've opened up opportunities for me to do conference speaking so i've done over like i'm slowing it down this year but i did Uh, 15 conferences last year and then 17 conferences the year before last year was harder, even though I did less because I did more keynotes, which are awesome, but I'm so tired. I, this is like totally privileged thing. I am tired of travel right now, but those (laughs) books like opened those doors for me because I can say, Hey, I wrote these books, you know? Um, and then it's, you're instantly, instantly more attractive to conferences to come and speak. Was that what made you start writing books? Was, what was that? Why was to, because you wanted to speak more or was it something else? So I've always wanted to become a conference speaker. I, this is since I was a kid because I would – uh my school <laughs> I love mailman that. i love that dream <laughs> yeah well because these like motivational speakers would come to the school and they do their little motivational speaking thing totally worked on me i was a kid in the audience like oh my god hearts in my eyes i want to be these people i want to just like swan around the world and tell amazing stories and s- inspire people and that's one reason why i like doing these keynotes because it's just so much fun just telling stories and and um just watching the reaction in the audience so as a kid i loved listening to those and I had played around with some public speaking, I guess when I started my tech journey, a few major disasters in the beginning. Uh, And then I took a few years off when I was working on the startup and then I was burnt out in the startup. And that's where the book scene came wrong. Because I was like, I need to do something else. I'm not ready to shut down the startup, but I need something else to do. Otherwise I'm going to go insane. And Mm. the natural fit for me was to take the journey I did to build the startup, I taught myself how to code. And after I taught myself how to code, I kind of figured out a few things about working at Python and Django as a designer. And I was like, why the hell are things being taught like in programming, why they taught this way, which is like to other programmers. Let's learn how everything in the computer works. So then you can learn how to build a website. And I thought that was ridiculous. And I was like, what if you had just a book that just walked people step-by-step through building a web app, using these easy techniques that I'd learned over time, no one has been writing about this before. This is something I'm passionate about. I'd love to help people do the same thing, like build this startup thing. Um, so that was kind of how that started. Well, yeah, it sounds like the audience would be folks who like are trying to
0: accomplish something on a computer, right? I don't need to know everything about the computer and everything about uh-huh. code or maybe code theory and all of that. I'm, I'm trying to actually like build something specific.
1: Yeah, I really aimed it at web designers, people like me who could build a static website. You know, you can just like create your little personal website, but then you see all these other websites that have like a login form and a registration form and somehow it saves data wherever that is and they're able to do stuff with that data. And I was like, how do they do that? As as a designer, I had these ideas for things I wanted to build, but I didn't know how those websites were built. And then I looked at these programming books and I was like, whoa, that is complicated. I can't do that. And that's why after I actually learned how to do it, I'm like, you know what? isn't complicated it upsets me that it people are making it so much more complicated than it is so this is a good opportunity me to write what i know and then help people learn a better way in my opinion and what was the first book that you wrote then ah so this is hello web app it's the one i'm just doing a refresh right now i guess we'll get into that in a second yeah but it's called hello web app and the fun fact about that is that that the name came from me looking at what domains were available and hellowebapp.com was available. And I was like, oh, that's the name of the book So I got the .com.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Yeah, it's so Hello Web App uh, was awesome. I did a Kickstarter for it. Uh, this was about three years ago, I guess. Um, I did a Kickstarter. It helped that I knew a lot of people in the Python and Django community. Um, There's a lot of amazing supportive people in that community to help me um, uh, write that book. And then the second book Uh, the one I'm now bundling in with the first book in this new edition, uh, the second book I call Hello Web App Intermediate Concepts, which kind of builds on that first book and allows people to build things on their web app, like adding payments or, um, more intermediate coding techniques. Like I don't feel like I'm advanced myself when I write these books, so I don't ever want to use the word advanced, but basically the first two books were on, um, on this base, this programming journey I did with my startup.
0: And so I want to go back to the um, Hello Web app, the first one, the first Mm -hmm. book. So you ran a kick. Okay, so many questions. (laughs) First, why did you decide to do it? You said it was in Django and Python. And is that just because that's what you used?
1: Yeah. So in case anyone doesn't know Django, most people have heard about Python. Django is a framework on Python that kind of abstracts all these like complicated things away so like it, it allows you to create that registration form and it sets up that database that place you store information automatically which why I recommend it to people who don't know how things are actually what they don't know and don't care about what's going on in the background that's Django and it was what I used for wedding lovely back in the day because I um for building that startup because that journey, my husband does Python. And I was like, well, this looks kind of cool. And he's like, okay, look at Django. Like as an, as an expert in Python, he's like, Django is the thing you should probably learn first. So it just goes from that. I don't have any background in JavaScript, which is like the new hotness right now. I need to get into that. And now that I've done a little bit of JavaScript, I still prefer Django compared to all these Angular and React things that are going on. Cause I just find it so much simpler and easier to read. Um, but yeah, it was, it was what i used and i loved and i got to know the community and that's why i decided to write a book um on that topic so choice of language and what the, you know because we've interviewed authors on our show and
0: um sometimes what the what the the language the book is going to be in might be up for grabs but other mm-hmm. times it's mostly because they have they've been using that for a long time or you know they want to support the community you ran a kickstarter
1: for it and what it was successful it was successful. And we just found that so question marky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's some of the backstory on that, because I was I was looking I knew I wanted to write a book, and I looked at a book apart, which is by the people who do a list apart and the conference series and event apart.
0: Yeah, La- Lara, Lara Hogan was on our show, <sighs> and I think she did a, a book with a book apart. Yeah.
1: So it's like they have the cream of the crop, like all the best people in the web are working or using, they a part of this a book apart and event apart a less apart system so when I thought I'm gonna write a book the next thought was like I got to get this into a book apart because if I get into that then my it's like my career is set you know (laughs) I've like instantly Mm -hmm. joined the ranks of the fabulousness fabulous people of the world uh so I I wrote I think I wrote my outline and I wrote like 2,000 words. And I, I knew that it was going to be the same size as the Book Apart books. I knew that was going to be the same kind of like friendly format. And I sent over the, um, I don't know, I guess proposals, best way to say it. And they're like, no, it's going to be too big. I'm like, it's not going to be too big. And they're like, no, it's going to be too big. Ugh. So I shopped I it to some other publishers, and I can never remember the name of the publisher that accepted me. But, but basically a, a type publisher said, we'd love to publish your book. Here's our details for the royalties and, um, advance. And it was something like $8,000 advance, which is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and then 5% royalties after I have paid back that $8,000 advance. So fairly typical numbers for self, for, um, a publishing, uh, for getting a book into yeah. a publisher. And then I looked at those numbers, and I was like, you know, I have I am a designer. I have a background in um, I did classes in editorial design in school, and I really love those classes. So, you know, a publisher doesn't really have to help me with that part. And then people had said that publishers can help you with marketing, but not really. It's really on you. And I was right. like, well, if I'm really doing if I can do everything myself, anyways. What if I use Kickstarter as a way to A, market the book, because you get to, people get to hear about your book before it's out through Kickstarter. B, fund the book. It's essentially an advance, um, for the book. C, I mean, it's kind of tells you whether people want your content anyways, because if the Kickstarter fails, good thing you didn't write the book because no one actually wanted the book. It just seemed like, and then D, you get all the royalties afterwards. So. It just seemed like a no-brainer after i kind of broke down the numbers from that publisher uh, versus kickstarter just to see if um, it just made more sense to go with kickstarter
0: well and i think also some folks there are some folks for whom writing a book they want to be able to call themselves an author and having a traditionally published book is important to them but it sounds like for you that wasn't what was the most important thing that getting the knowledge out there was more important
1: I think like becoming a published author, if a book apart said, we would love to have you. And then they gave me like a 1% royalties. I probably would have done it. They're just so amazing. And they have, they work with all like the best tech people in the world and all our te- the best tech people who've write the books go into their conferences and they get all of that kind of publicity and career boosting and all that stuff. So on one hand, I would have totally done a book apart, but when it comes to these other publishers that didn't really seem to have any other, um, benefits, it was like, well, I can, I can probably DIY everything else myself.
0: Got it, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And
1: so how did the first one do? It did, it, uh, who, I have to remember numbers, because I have done, this is my, I'm working on my fourth Kickstarter right now. So I've oh done my so gosh, many, this is the fourth, okay, got it. I know, ridiculous, right? So I want to say the fourth, first one raised, I think it was 12,000 or 13,000. And um, what was your goal? It was seven, so that was okay. about right. For a Kickstarter, yeah. you want to raise about half of what you actually want. So, so you can actually guarantee to get money, because uh, Kickstarter yeah. has that whole thing about if you don't make your goal, every you lose everything. As right. So to you wanted goal.
0: about fourteen. Yeah. Like ultimately, so as uh, so you. So I pretty much ass, hit it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You hit, hit your ask at seven, got around twelve, and that was basically got it.
1: Yeah, and it was it went really well. I timed it with going to a. I think this one was at PyCon, which is the largest U.S. Python conference yeah. um, in North America. So I timed it when I went over there and I found everybody who was like a name in Python. And I went to them pers- personally. I was like, hi, if you don't know me, I'm Tracy. I'm doing a Kickstarter for a Django book. You should share this book or you should, uh, you should um, uh, pledge to this book too. And so I just bugged people at this conference, which I think was one of the biggest reasons why that conference, excuse me, that Kickstarter was successful, <laughs> just a lot of hustle in person. Hmm, got it. Mm-hmm. And so
0: were the other, did the, were all of them, have, you're on your fourth now, but were the second and third ones um,
1: successful as well? Yeah. I, I learned a lot from that first round uh, and I looked, I was able to apply it, like the second book raised more money and then the third book raised way more money. So the intermediate concepts, I want to say it was like 14 or 15,000 and then the design book was 22,000. So I've been going upward with my major kickstarters for a full new book. I, each time I've been making more money, which has been really awesome to see because I think that means I'm doing um, doing something good. Yeah, well, I, I don't. I think kicks, running
0: a Kickstarter is not as easy as it seems. <sighs> I right? call it thirty days of hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> They're so stressful.
0: Yeah, I mean, thirty days of hell is and really it's probably even more than
1: 30 days right. ago. Let's talk about the the one that you're running right now is what's the the book that it's for? So, I did a kickstarter originally back in the day for the first hello web app and then a the second hello web app. And because I do a tech book, I it mean it's like years A couple of years later, now these books are slightly out of date, and I wanted to do an update to move the books from Python 2.7 to Python 3, and then also the new versions of Django. And also, I've, like mentioned before, um, I think I mentioned before, I'm bundling them together since it just makes more sense as a full tutorial to have these two books together rather than being sold separately. So all of those changes, I was thinking, okay, I can just go on my website and just republish them. As a full new book thing, whatever. Uh, but the problem is, I have to go. I do printed books. Not a lot of people do. Who write books on the internet will do printed books as well. This is just because I'm a designer and I just cannot handle. I, I love having a printed book, and I would just mm. it would just drive me nuts to have only digital. Uh, In digital things. I can't actually bring them to conferences and plunk them out on a table and people come over and go, ooh, and I love that feeling. People are ooh,
0: such a pretty book. Yeah, it's a tangible result (laughs) of
1: what you did, you know? Yeah, and not to toot my own horn because I do the design myself, but the design is pretty baller, especially when it comes to a tech book. They look really, really nice. So I have to do a print book, and when I'm doing this new edition of these books, I have to then pay for like 1000 books from my printer. And that takes a lot of upfront money. So I was like, okay, how am I gonna fundraise for this upfront money to reprint these books um, that are now updated to the new uh, technologies that are out right now? And that's why I'm doing a fourth Kickstarter. Because so I figured, okay, this one won't be, I've been calling it a mini Kickstarter because my other ones were like full on, stressful, raising a lot of money, doing a whole book from scratch Kickstarters. And this one's like, the content is there. The content is already done. I just, I just wanna raise enough money so that I don't go into debt sending the books out to the printer before I can start selling this. And also it works for marketing too, because then I can announce that there's a new edition out. I can announce that they're together. uh, People naturally like to share Kickstarters and help promote that. So that was why I was like, well, you know what, I'm just going to do another 30 Days of Hell, which is this, because it's less stress this time. It's actually less hellish this time, but that's why I did that again.
0: Got it. So. I love this idea of like on mini Kickstarter when you told me that I was like, Ooh, I don't know what that is, but I like that idea <laughs> because we talked about, Let's go back to this idea of 30 days of hell because it's more than that. Right. So how mm-hmm. before, let's say before any of your other Kickstarters, how much time did you
1: spend getting prepared for that Kickstarter? Bunce. Uh, it's hard to because it's not full time work, so it's always on my off time and like all this side side project. But it's months of work because for the big kickstarters, I'll go out and get a professional video done, and I have a friend of mine who's a videographer, who's awesome, so I can get that a little bit cheaper than because video is so expensive. Really, so, like they're ex- like you get yeah.
0: a, you have to get a professional one done, right? And they're like, I mean, I'm assuming they're they're gonna be. I
1: don't thousands. know
0: i was gonna
1: say i was like over a thousand i have no over a thousand yeah so there's a huge cost to get a professional videographer and i love my friend my other my other three books the end of the videos all have bloopers and that was a request i was like please add these because we have like Mm -hmm. videoing itself is just so ridiculous i you put a camera i can speak on on uh through my microphone because no one is looking at me but as soon as you point a camera at me i just like dissolve into goo i can't speak So we have all these takes of me being like blah, 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 and (laughs) then we can form them into something fun at the end with these bloopers so people can kind of see like how, how, what the inside, how it actually looked, which is funny. I just think they're funny. So the video itself takes months because we have to video it and then she has to like edit it and we go through reviews and find the right music and all that. And then there's like the setting up of the content and writing the perfect copy so then people are excited and intrigued and you're, you're announcing everything properly in a way that people actually want to back the the campaign, to figure out what your pledges are going to be, like what tiers you want to sell. Uh, and then um, the other thing I, I tell people who run Kickstarters is that you also have to plan for that 30 days what you're going to be, how you're going to promote the campaign because you normally can't just press go in the campaign and just watch the money roll in. You have to figure out like Uh, Your tweeting strategy, like what podcasts you're going to reach out to, what articles you're going to write. Uh, And it's not only just like creating a big list of all the marketing things you have to do, it's also breaking those down into weeks. Because the first week is super exciting. People are all like pledging and you're really excited because you're like, I'm going to make this. And then week two and three is when the pledges just die down. And it's like, as the creator, you're like, oh my God, people hate me now. Why is no one backing my campaign? And then it just like goes into this like panic. It happens every time. Cause there's always the middle period, it's just like, uh eh. And then the week, last week happens and then it gets exciting again. Well, and also like that second and third week, I think also you're like, what new thing can I say about this to stir up interest? And am I just killing my, am I burning my entire network? Exactly. So it's like, okay, the second (laughs) and third week is when you start going out to like communities that you aren't involved in, that haven't seen you constantly talking about it already and then introducing them to it and then just feeling productive too. So you're not just like constantly refreshing your email, hoping that a new back, a new, backer has come in because it's you get addicted to it you get these like notifications every time a new backer comes in and that first week they come in uh usually pretty fast and then it just dies down as well so then you're like every moment that you're living during that 30 days it's like oh do I have another backer now and then do I have another backer now and it just is your brain just like wraps around it will not let like stop obsessing at least for me
0: (laughs) well yeah it would for me too and right now you're in that zone correct
1: ish yeah so that's the best part about doing this like mini Kickstarter I was like chill out Tracy. (laughs) Yeah
0: because we're like in the in the length of the Kickstarter are we how far how long was the this Kickstarter? Today is officially one week so it's going to end at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Oh god so oh we're we're, like we're at right now we're not quite there yet got it.
1: Yeah so um the first exciting week has happened which I'm I like I said I'm chilling out on this Kickstarter I am raising a fraction of what I've raised for my other books. Because again, I'm just really hoping I can just get enough money to get these books out to the printer and then also to re record all my videos, which is also, like more time than money, really. But it helps me out because I can not contract as much. So I'm raising, I think my goal this time around is 4,000 Canadian because I now live in Canada, uh, which is pretty like what, 3,500 USD, which is pretty low, which is awesome. I've already hit half of it uh, yep. in the first few days. I'm not. I'm gonna check right now. I wonder. Yeah, I haven't had a backer in over 24 hours, which on other times I would be stressing out right now. I'm like, why don't I have a backer right now? But because I'm already at half and I'm, I know, I'm, I'm like 99.999% confident that I'm going to hit my goal no matter what. Cause I have a really good community around me and just knowing how Kickstarter is, how they usually go. I'm like pretty sure I'm gonna hit that. So my brain is a lot calmer this time around. Yeah, I bet. Well, and
0: it sounds like too, do you have that, is that content all planned out before? Like the, the like basically your your marketing campaign, if I'm calling it that, right? Like, is it all planned out? Or is it just, I need to tweet something about X?
1: You know, like for, how planned yeah. do you do before you launch for it? For the previous books, for the full book where I'm trying to raise like $20,000, yeah, I'll have everything planned out. Um, but for this one, it's more of like I'm. In, I'm again taking it chill. I'm trying not to stress out about it. I'm not trying to tweet about it all the time. So I'm this one. I'm kind of doing more loosey goosey. Got it. Okay, got it. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's a lot more refreshing. I don't think I could have done a fourth Kickstarter for this like refresh of my books without doing it in a chill way because my last one the, the design one was last year so it's like too fresh <laughs> how mm. hard it is to run a kickstarter because it's it, i mean it's three days a hill but then there's the beforehand of marketing we talked about but there's also the after where it's like oh crap now i have to fill all these orders uh and you get this chunk of money which is awesome but then you but for the design book i spent the summer like hiring an editor and hiring a cover designer and to help me out with some of the back cover stuff and then uh, getting the book printed, which takes a couple months because my printer is in China, which is an awesome printer, but it's just so much cheaper than doing in the US, but it's so much slower. And then it comes in and then I have to figure out how to ship 500 books. And so then it's like, I think I've shipped out my books, uh, I think I finished them in January. So that was only a couple months ago. So it's like too fresh. I don't think I could have done a full on, Full-blown, stressful Kickstarter at this time in my life. Yeah, for sure. Again,
0: yeah, yeah. I want to go back to something that you said in the pre-phase, right? Mm Pre-launch phase that was really interesting to me. So you spent a good amount of money on a video. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, when you price your things, obviously this is a different case, but when you price this, do you price in those expenses into,
1: do you consider when you think about the structure of everything for your Kickstarter? That's a great question because I actually just raised all my prices. I looked at my prices beforehand and I was like, you know what, with all this work and the expenses I've been doing, I've been pricing everything too low, which is another reason why I did this Kickstarter because it was another way for me to just like across the board raise my prices. Sorry, everybody, but I also <laughs> need to eat. Uh, so I wasn't like thinking about it really beforehand when I was looking at the expenses for doing these like, campaigns and printing and all that. The other problem was Amazon because I thought I am a self-published author. I'm going to publish my book on Amazon. So first looking at Kindle. Kindle books. If you are under ten dollars, you can get seventy percent royalties, yep. and if they're over ten dollars, you get thirty. So I was like, oh, that's a big book, difference, huh? It is. <laughs> it gives you this like dead period between ten and twenty, where it's like there's no reason why you'd price your book in te- between ten and twenty because you're just gonna be losing money. So my first, like when I was looking at the first book, and I was like, I'm have to go on Kindle. I'm gonna have to be under ten dollars. So I priced my Kindle book as $9.95. and then okay, if the Kindle book is nine ninety five, it means like the full ebook package. Can't be that much more. So the full e-book package will be $14.95. And then the full ebook package is $14.95. That means the um, paperback plus ebook package will be $29.95. So I kind of all based it off that Kindle price. And I'll say years later, I am tired of Amazon and its BS. It yeah. is not a friend to a self-publisher whatsoever. And the the last straw was a couple months ago. When a workshop in San Francisco decided to order 50 books from Amazon instead of through me, which I tried. I tried to tell them book with me because I don't have to deal with the Amazon like taking out like half of my um, income. But they bought 50 books on Amazon. And I logged into my account and I was like, Ah, oh, hot damn, big sale! And then they emailed me being like that. Those books aren't showing up. What should we do? And I was like, I have nothing to do with this. This is Amazon because you ordered through Amazon and Amazon because it's what they do. Just sends them a new shipment. The thing is that first shipment, I don't get it back. <laughs> like, I don't make the money from it. So that first shipment just disappeared into the ether. Uh, I just <sighs> lost 50 books and oh. Amazon's never going to refund me for that. And that's, that's how Amazon works, oh, right? No, that's, that's, I think it's
0: actually really illuminating. I think this is really interesting because I think people are You know i'm working with some clients right now who are like do we put our self-published books on amazon or Mm -hmm. not do you
1: are you glad you put them on amazon i guess so with the kindle books yeah i think everything is yes and no so the kindle books (laughs) i know right i'm like that was like
0: a very tough question
1: (laughs) yeah the kindle books are digital so i don't have to worry about someone like losing books and then i you know all those books i paid to get printed just disappearing but the problem with kindle is that you can't really like when, especially if you're doing a code book, the formatting is so hard to get right on a Kindle, and I'll get oh gosh like yes. bad reviews. People are like I can't do the code snippets off a of Kindle. And like, why are you buying a Python book on Kindle? But, it's hard. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, I've worked with folks, and we've done it that way, and we've spent hours and hours on the formatting. Yeah, to get it
1: right, it takes forever. And then my design book, the same thing. It doesn't have any code, but the design book has a lot of images. And then here's the thing about that seventy percent royalties. If you're under ten dollars, if you if you opt into that you also have to pay an additional quote unquote delivery fee the amazon charges based on the size of your ebook so if you're over ten dollars you do the 30 percent royalty option so you're only getting 30 percent per book you don't have to pay this additional fee but if you're under you do and my images made my file so large that i would have just killed all of the royalties that we've gotten from kindle anyways so then i had to spend literally weeks going through all my images and figuring out how I can downscale them enough that they didn't look awful, but it also wasn't going to like take out any kind of like revenue I would get from the, doing a Kindle book. But I mean, I did sell, I have sold Kindle books and I do make a couple hundred dollars or so, maybe sometimes more, sometimes less um, per month on Kindle. So my original idea, my original thought process was like, might as well. And now I'm like, you know what? I think it's probably like, for every Kindle book that I've sold, it's probably, I'm losing money because maybe that person wouldn't come to my website and bought through me.
0: I think, because the reason why people would think, let's go to Amazon is it might expand your reach, right? Right. To folks who don't know you. But it sounds like you don't feel like that that happened for you.
1: Yeah, I guess that's, that's it. Because originally I was like, oh, maybe I'll just sell a whole bunch of books on Amazon and make it totally worth it. But it wasn't a whole bunch of books. Maybe that's my fault for not marketing it. But like, I do have, a, a good amount of sales on Amazon, but not amazing. Not like some of these other tech people who can sell on Amazon and they they get all the monies. Like, I think I have, for my Hello Web App book, a 40 reviews after like three years. Uh, and Amazon apparently doesn't really promote a book until you hit 50 reviews. So I was like, oh, dang oh, it. Oh, like, got it. It's just like this constant uphill battle with Amazon. And I've come to the conclusion in the last couple months that I'm just going to shut down the whole thing. Like, I'm sorry for people who love Amazon, but it's just, it's, like, so much effort.
0: <laughs> I think it depends. I mean, I honestly think, like, the, your, you know, the answer is, is Amazon worth it? It depends is the perfect yeah. answer. Yeah. And I'm, I love that
1: you're providing this clarity. I think there's a ton of people who are wondering about yeah. this. Yes. There's so much stuff I didn't know. And I wish I had learned about Amazon before I started that process. And now that I know it, it's like, okay, how can I tell this story in as many places as possible? So people will actually realize what's going on behind the scenes when you're a business on Amazon. And, and, and how to determine for you whether it's, it's worth it or not. Yeah.
0: So between let's say selling your own books, like on your site, Kickstarter, all that stuff versus books you've sold on Amazon, what would you say the percentage is? Is it like, you know, your site in Kickstarter, 10%
1: Amazon or? So I wish I had these numbers. I'm gonna go with gut. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go with gut. (laughs) I don't have these numbers. I wanna say it's like right now, it's about 50-50.
0: Oh, 50-50, okay.
1: Yeah, but because I I lose a lot more money on Amazon and I actually make more money usually on my own website because I can't sell my videos on Amazon and I have a whole video course, whatever whatever the term is it today, it seems like it's changing. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone loves courses right now. So I yeah. have a course uh, for these books and courses are really where the majority of my revenue comes in because they, I can sell them for a lot more. The videos are already done. I can Then it's just like working with them one-on-one through like the forums and whatnot. But really I can't sell those videos on Amazon. I can only sell the paperback, not even a combo pack, the paperback or the Kindle book. So I lose out on them even knowing I have other ways of learning. So, and okay, got it. So it's 50, 50
0: in number of sales, but then revenue, my guess is that the revenue is definitely more on way higher
1: on my own website.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Another <laughs> thing, by the way, you might find this interesting before I decided to go off of Amazon with the design book, because teaching people how to do like learn web design fundamentals, like typography and color and whatnot. And I realized that people are downloading the Kindle book and there's this whole chapter on color. Like the the book is horrible for that. (laughs) You can't see the colors I'm talking about. So I have a whole page, I put it into the Kindle book being like, here, just email me and I'll send you the PDF. If you've downloaded this on Kindle, just send me an email because I don't want you giving me bad reviews because they have this chapter on color and you can't see on your black and white Kindle. And now I'm kind of looking forward not even to deal with that, even worrying about those um, alternate formats that people might get mad about because they decided to buy on Kindle a design book and now they can't see the colors I put in oh interesting Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have emailed me asking for that pdf which is awesome uh and usually I'll use it as an opportunity to be like hey I'm going to send you this pdf for free can you also leave me a a review when you're done reading the book because I I was going after that 50 reviews so Amazon will actually promote my stuff but now I've decided just to take them all down they're all going
0: to go off of Amazon
1: yeah, I haven't done it yet. I've taken off the, since I'm doing the Kickstarter for the first book, I've taken that one off. But the design book, for some reason, probably because of the Kickstarter, just because you know when I promote one of my things, another thing gets a natural boost. The design book has been selling way more this last couple of weeks on Amazon than it has before. And I'm like, well, I don't want to, maybe I'll just let that go up for a little bit longer. We'll see. Have
0: you seen a boost on your site in sales as well for the other books? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, for the design book as well, which is good because the design book was interesting. I thought, so my, my programming books are such a niche book that when I wrote my design book, I'm like, oh, the design book, such a bigger audience. It's going to make way more money. And then the book came out in this November and it's picking up now, but the launch was like, Pfft. and I was like, oh, crap. And it's because I think the audience is too large. You know, it actually sells better. With, I think uh ebooks and courses and whatnot actually sell better when they're like a specific niche rather than trying to do something for everybody Uh, but they're picking up now the design stuff is getting the boost that it needed when it first launched so that's good what would you do differently with that
0: book would like would you how would you niche that design book down so that it was you know not so broad if you were to do it again let's say we have
1: a time machine (laughs) <laughs> so the book name so I okay the first book is called hello web app because I got that domain name and I was like that's the book's name and then the second book was hello web app intermediate concepts which is confusing because they both have the same first name and then I was doing the design book and I was like well I'll call it hello web design because I am not clever and it flows well even though I don't have the domain for this one I ended up getting HelloWebbooks.com. so I kind of just dove right into this naming scheme but hello web Design is very broad. Like, I think a title that mm. would be more niche, where it was like design for programmers or design for, you know, aiming at those programmers or developers or people I'm actually going after, not people becoming full fledged web designers. I think that would have helped the book uh, get into the hands of people that want it because it be the title would be much more clear about what the book is about. Do you think if you writing future books, would you do that? Would you drop the Hello Web <laughs> app or Hello? I've, that convention? Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about that. I have a friend who is like, you need to write a book on marketing. And he constantly, like, pings me. He says he has to do this every month. He has to send me a message to be like, don't forget to write your book on marketing. And he jokes that it's going to be called Hello Web Marketing. And then anyone who wants me to write a book on it, like other people, they're like, oh, Hello Web SEO. Hello Web whatever. And, like, it's turning to kind of a joke. So on one hand, I'm like, I guess I have this kind of good scheme that people seem to be enjoying. On the other hand, getting kind of old. Uh, and I can't follow this format forever, and I probably will try to figure out a new naming scheme. But right now, I have no idea what that is going to be, or how I'll do it. But yeah, a book apart, a book apart does different names for all their books. So I'm just going to follow what they do because they're fabulous.
0: It's all these are all like really interesting questions. Like, like how do we do all of this? And this is like what I love about the show is I want to give folks who want to do something independent, meaning. They may have a job, but, like, they're trying to do something maybe on their own. They're not maybe mm-hmm. going after huge funding or things like that. Yeah. And these are all the questions that we have to know because these are things you don't – you wouldn't learn in the course of your career unless you went and did this.
1: Right. And I will say that the, the process of learning, figuring these things out, though, has been really fun. And that's one of the reasons why I do this is, like, working at a full-time job where I'm doing the same thing every single day – I, I think works for some people, but for people probably who are listening to this podcast, it doesn't work for them. Uh, having to figure out the answer to these problems, like one day I'll be like, how do I, my sales aren't that great, so I need to figure out how to do better sales, so then I fall into this like rabbit hole of reading about sales and learning about sales, and you know, it is kind of a pain to just not know those things and then having to learn all those things and then, like take the time to do that but I also really do enjoy that process. It's a little bit like the investigation, the problem solving, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to like DIYing an entire book, there's so many things you have to learn. And it takes a long time, but I love that. That was really fun I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I think
0: it's how you have to approach these things. Like I think a lot of like creations and you have to approach it from a, a learning and like I wanna create and I wanna learn. Uh, I think where I get nervous is people when they are really like, I want to make a pile of cash. (laughs) Right. I I mean, I think it's great to make a pile of cash. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to dive into that too. But, (laughs) um, I think like if you can approach it with like, what are you learning? How are you growing?
1: So with the the Learn to Code book, actually, that's something I've, I've tried to put into the Learn to Code book because a lot of Learn to Code books are like, okay, we're going to walk you through building a blog and you're going to just follow along, implementing the pieces and seeing how things work. And then you don't have any creativity. You don't have any kind of thought process of what you could do or how you can build something. It's just like, you're just following along the steps. And then at the end, you're like, okay, now what? So the programming book, the Hello Web app, the one I'm doing the mini Kickstarter for right now, is I, I walk you through building a template. I call it a project of things or excuse me a collection of things and that template matches a lot of different web apps out there like twitter is a collection of tweets a blog is a collection of posts uh instagram is a collection of images so the book walks you through using these generic very generic examples of how to build something that you could reformat pretty easily into building like say a Twitter clone or a blog clone or a directory clone. And I say this in the beginning of the book, cause I encourage you if you're going through Hello Web App, to figure out what you want to build that is unique, that follows this format. And then as you go through the book, update the examples as if you're building that website. So like A, it's something like unique to yourself, which I think naturally makes it more interesting to learn how to code. Uh, B, Hey, If it looks awesome, you could launch it and show it to people on the internet and then get feedback and then start growing it because then someone's like, oh, that's awesome, but what if you had this feature? And then hopefully that person would be like, oh, I can learn how to build that feature and then continue growing. I just find it such like a much better way of picking up programming than going through these like road examples or just deep diving into what a computer does.
0: Yeah, I I can absolutely see that.
1: Yeah. So that's it. I'm so proud of the books. I'm really happy that I've had such good feedback over the last few years that these books have been out, um, which is why I'm just, I'm happy to continue supporting them with this little mini Kickstarter campaign and keeping them up to date. And someday I might actually like, I actually thought about taking Hello Web App, that format, that that idea of building a collection of things and building something unique and, and applying that to other like things like Angular and React. So that's a to-do, um, but right now it's just much easier to continue supporting the things that I know like in and out, like Python and Django, but someday I think it'd be fun to, to explore JavaScript or these other things that are like a lot more popular right now.
0: Yeah, it, it, there's always so many fun things. That I, even though you say it's maybe stressful and 30 days of hell, there's <laughs> a way in which I, I think you enjoy, it sounds like you enjoy the creation and you yeah. enjoy getting it out in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm a little uh, self-involved. I do love attention. That's one reason I do conference speaking. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's really nice. I think it's crucial for my um, my self-worth that I get every now and then I'll get someone tweeting me being like, your books have like changed the way that I do design, or your books have taught me how to code, thank you. And I think I, I, I'm rather actually an anxious and depressive person. <laughs> And this has been my way like, all right, if I put these things out there and they're awesome and people are just like every now and then pinging me saying thank you, it boosts my mood and I can like be a happier person for longer. It's like a little bit of a um, a mental hack. (laughs) I love that you talk about
0: that because I feel like not very many people would admit that, but I
1: think that that's probably what so many of us do. Right. Yeah. I've not, thankfully not recently, but I've suffered from panic attacks in the past, suffered yeah. depression, like incredible amounts of anxiety. Uh, I, I, on my own, if I was not doing this, I, my brain does that natural thing where it's just like yells at me. It's like, you're not doing that great. And I'm like, shut up brain. I say, yeah, the brain's like, no, you're not, you know, it just like constantly talks to you and tells you these things are not correct. So it's like, okay, this happens with my brain this is what's going on. And I had to figure out strategies for kind of fighting back and having outside people reminding me that I'm doing good, I guess, um, that the things I'm doing are wanted and needed. Thankfully, I have not had a terrible failure yet. Maybe that would be a bad thing with my mental stuff. Uh, but that's helped me a lot, um, That the books and the conference speaking. I don't think you're a a self-involved
0: person. I mean, like, you know, one, because I think we all want that. But two, I also think that it seems to me that one of the things you're doing is deriving more meaning in your life, right? Because if we can have an impact on someone else, then we have more meaning. And I think that naturally lifts our mood rather than, like, what the hell is it all for? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm having no impact. It's just me. And it goes to, you know, Daniel Pink's autonomy you know mastery um and i think I, meaning you know right
1: like, mm-hmm. or purpose i think he says but meaning is part of that yeah so i you know live journal back in the day i guess yeah. it still exists but live journal back in the day when i was in high school and university to everyone listening to this please don't go and find them but my two live journals from those <laughs> times are still live on the internet it's not obvious thankfully you can't just look up my screen name now and then find my live journals but they're there and every now and then i can go and look at what high school Tracy from 20 years ago was whining about but I do have this one blog post or blog post I know live journals are called blog posts I have this one post on live journal where I just watched uh Lord of the Rings when they came out the new movies and they're they had the you know like special extended dvds where they looked they had the the uh, behind the scenes stuff and I wrote this post talking about how everyone looks like they're so happy. It's like they're doing something that made them so happy. They're having fun with their – like this is their job and they're having fun. And they're bringing meaning – like they're doing something that's bringing happiness to other people. And I had this whole post saying like that's what I want in my life. I want this kind of magic in my life. I don't want to just go work on a computer and in a cubicle and then come home and not feel that magic. I want something that I can feel that, that, have that sense of – like working on something you love and then um, just having so much fun with it. So I get I, that post is still up and I love looking at it every now and then because it does. I feel happy that I I think 18 year old me would be very pleased with what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah, I have tears in my eyes about that, right? Aww, it's like about yeah. magic. And like, because when we are in a place of meaning and creating meaning for ourselves and other people, things that matter to us, then that I think that is where the magic happens.
1: Yeah. And I'm, again, I have so much privilege to be able to do this because there's been a few years where I have not been making a lot of money. And I, uh, my wonderful husband has been able to help support me going through those, like those poor years. Cause he knew that I was working on something that really meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm doing a lot better now. And, uh, I guess like I I'm doing contracting now to help boost that. So I have a lot of privilege to be able to, to like, go after that magic. Uh, I don't have a lot of I, 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 that's one thing I try to remind myself. Though is like I've, I've been very privileged to, to have a lot of support around me, to becoming like, to live in situations where I haven't had to worry about money as much as some people. But that is definitely a worry that a lot of people do have.
0: Well, and I do think
1: that this show talks a lot about
0: talks to independent creators, and the reality is is that even though you're the maybe the creator, there is a ton of support that goes into Mm -hmm.
1: it. Yeah, you can't do it alone. Yeah,
0: you can't. And I think I love that you're bringing that up. I don't feel like we've really talked about that much, if ever, on this show. So I just love that you're talking about that <laughs> because it really, we really, it, it takes a village in some ways to create. and And, you know, your husband is part of that. I'm sure friends and community yeah. and all of that is part of that.
1: Yeah, it's like you're taking this gigantic risk, and all these like things you're creating. There's always this lead up time too, where you're you want to build something, but you don't know if it's going to be a success. But you have to put a lot of work into it to try, try to make it a success to make it worth it afterwards. But you can't just like decide you're going to do it and then automatically know whether it's going to work or not. There's like that huge amount of risk. So that's where having having a support network around you or or setting yourself up. Um, like, I tell people who want to start a startup or start working on an alternate project to do your best to take away outside distractions, like pare down your debt, because that's a huge distraction when you're worrying about debt, you know? And oh, yeah. Like all your outside, uh, like obligations and activities, do your best to, to tone those down at least a little bit while you're going through that ramp up period, because you're going through this period of like high risk. And what you can do, whatever you can do, like mitigate that risk by um, uh, working on things that you can, like again, debt and all that, uh, will help make that process easier and less stressful, and hopefully make it more of a success because, again, you're not as stressed.
0: Yeah, and and do you think that 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 applies to this Kickstarter too? Why you've been talking (laughs) talking a lot about how it's mini and like less stressful? Is that part of this one or no?
1: The Kickstarter, I think. By calling it mini and not being like very promoty about it has helped me out in terms of stress so much because like I said I could have been I've been a little bit burnt out from doing my last book and so that's just something I had to do in order to do this uh, but also like doing the Kickstarter instead of just paying the money paying the thousands of dollars to get the books printed and then doing a traditional pre order campaign um, that would have been a lot more stressful and a lot more harder on my own finances so figuring out a way of doing that Kickstarter. It's kind of like building a support network of people, um, to help me out in this, like in between period before launch. Cause people on Kickstarter are actually kind of amazing. There's a lot of, I'm not gonna say like all of them are amazing. Cause sometimes I get a lot of people messaging me being like, where's my books? And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> done yet. Oh my God. Or people were like, that first campaign was actually a year delayed. Cause I was still figuring out how to write a book and it just went way longer than I thought. And people were messaging me every single day being like, um, I paid for a book but it hasn't come yet. So where's the book? And I'm like, I've been doing updates every few weeks being like, Hey, the work is still being worked on Read your updates. It's right. not done yet. But that said, most people are amazing. And they're such like, such, like a lot of people on this new campaign have the other books. They're backing this campaign cause they're trying to support me. They're part of that support network. And that's another reason why I did the Kickstarter campaign. Cause I knew it was a way for me to say, Hey, I'm putting out a re- you know, an update to this old product. And I'm looking for people who haven't seen that old product and I want them to back, but it's also a way that people who are in my support network that just say that are there for me and they want to help me out. It gives them a good way to help me out without having to go through a lot of hoops. Right. Well, and after the campaign, will this go on your
0: site? Yeah. Yeah, not Amazon. <laughs> yeah, what you're saying obviously, obviously it's like a course and a book, so it can. Yeah, but uh, and will it be same pricing? Like, will it be the same, or will it be any different?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a little bit higher price in the Kickstarter because I have a um, uh, lower prices in the Kickstarter just to help promote that as a pre order cam, like campaign, like a traditional pre order campaign. Usually you give a discount because the people are taking a risk by throwing their money at you earlier yeah. before they get the product. So I wanna say I lowered the prices by like 20%. My brain's not working, so I can't remember if that's actually true. But they're definitely lowered on the Kickstarter. They'll be slightly higher when it launches on my website. Um, another thing is that everyone who's backed the old books get this for free. So even if they have if they have the videos for the old books, I'll send them the new videos whenever you record them. Cause I just think that's, it doesn't make financial sense. There's a lot of companies out there who are like, new release, pay for a new release. But like my goal is to get that information out there and I feel like it's just a good thing to do just to be like, Mm -hmm. hey, you paid money to me in the past to go through my content and I did an update. So I think you should get the update as well.
0: Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And when will it go on to
1: your site? That's a good question. The end of the Kickstarter (laughs) is at the end of the month. I will probably set up the website to do pre-orders through the website once the Kickstarter ends just so if people are like, how do I get this? I have some place to point them to. And I have to figure out when the books are coming back for the printer, because the weird like little long story short is that because my, my printer is in China, this month is uh, Chinese New Year. So all the printing estimates are like kind of wonky because they're on a big vacation, a valid vacation. Like I'm happy for them, but it just means so for me, there's a little bit of like uncertainty of when the books, once I get them to the printer in next week or so, um, when they'll be returned from the printer and I can actually, start selling them and ba- and, um, uh, through the website.
0: Mm,
1: so it. yeah, that's, that's the whole weird backstory on that. It should be in April at the very least by the end of April.
0: Well, and I guess I'm curious about how once it, once you get done with the Kickstarter and then it goes to your site, how much of energy and effort are you spending, you know, marketing and, and doing all that stuff, you know, continuing to market the books after that? is it like the speaking does the speaking largely your marketing efforts then
1: yeah the speaking definitely helps and i will say though i kind of failed last year i kept going to conferences in europe and people would be like do you have your books i'd love to buy them and i'm like crap i forgot to pack books i did that at, like so many of the conferences I just oh, forgot no. to bring it with me i'm like i really should be selling books when i'm out here that just makes sense right when i'm speaking uh so I have a checklist <laughs> it's like permanent check like permanent
0: oh, no by your door yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I do.
1: I now have a printed packing. I got tired of of missing things. I was doing the keynote at DjangoCon last August um, in Spokane, Washington. I forgot bras entirely. Uh, like, so I had to go to a store. Yeah, I had to go out and like buy bras. I'm like, you know what, this is I am done with forgetting things, forgetting my books, forgetting bras. I'm going to have like a printed checklist every time I go on a trip now. So That's I, awesome. sh- I should share it actually. I'm pretty happy with like all the little things I've now managed to remember. You
0: should totally share it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> people would love to see that. I I I, definitely, I used to make checklists when I travel. Now I'm pretty good, but if I'm there's something that I know is critical, mm-hmm. I'll just like lay it out on my chase or like lay it out on the floor. Like days before, so I trip over it so many times, so that I don't forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little neurotic about making sure yeah. I remember things. You know, my poor partner trips over stuff all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was the bra thing. It was like I would yeah. never, and ever would have realized I would have forgotten that. Like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> like that I forgot yeah. it. And I'm like, nope, can't trust myself. And I'm forgetting something that's so crucial like that. Uh, so I have the, I have that checklist. Um, how do I promote the books? Right. So, the conferences are a thing. Uh, I also, I've been trying to get better about blogging on the website, doing like extra articles. I'm gonna do um, some small free ebooks on programming and design topics that are like supplemental to the books, and oh, those cool. will be out for free. Wes Boss does a lot of videos and a lot yeah. of free content. And I decided that he is the person I want to be. He is awesome. He is doing everything successfully. Like, he's just awesome. And he's also Canadian and he just lives near Toronto. Uh, Mm, so, cool. I've decided to look at what he does and just emulate it. I'm just going to copy him. He does a lot of free stuff. I want to start doing free stuff, does a lot of blogging, try to do the same. So, he does that. I'm also looking at doing videos on YouTube, which has been a new experiment. Because, I, like I said, the camera gets on me and I just turn into a puddle of goo. Uh, hopefully, I'll get better at that. Um, yeah. Trying to do like Instagram. That was, I got really into it for a few weeks. And I was doing all these like images with quotes from Hello Web Design. And then I got exhausted because Instagram just takes so much time. And so I kind of fall off the wagon there. So I, I try a lot of things. Uh, yeah.
0: And how wait, uh, Instagram does take a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Did you find it to be effective or no?
1: Ish. I don't know. It wasn't Ish, hard. Yeah. It was hard to tell if it was directly effective. I started getting a lot of likes. People were starting to follow it, but still not a lot of followers. And Instagram makes it so hard to, like, in Twitter and Facebook and all that, I could, like, on one weekday, I can just, like, fill out the next few weeks. And so it just automatically sends out updates without me having to think about it. And I just you can do that with Instagram. You have to sign up for another service. or Yeah. It's – so it's like, oh, I have to do this every single day. And if it's something I have to do every single day, I start getting really annoyed with it, and I don't want to do it anymore. And that's what happened with Instagram.
0: Well, yeah, and Instagram also has been doing a lot of changes with their algorithms. I know. And, you know, I mean, everyone's likes and everything are tanking. And it's not just that likes are tanking, but like impressions. And so when you think about, like, okay, if I'm investing energy into marketing something, is it really, is the message being seen by the people that I want to
1: see it? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, I should have expected that because looking at what happened with Facebook and Facebook pages, it's like, oh, duh, of course I'm going to start applying that to Instagram. So right. that sucks. Right, right. Yeah. So the YouTube thing, same thing. YouTube's also doing this whole like update where they're oh, they pushing are. their big creators, not their little ones. Um, I don't know. I, I miss the old days of RSS and just following someone on RSS and seeing what they do and, and without having to go through all these social networks. But, well, I'll just keep. Just keep trying to do th- different things. <laughs> it might change from week to week. So would you say that doing Kickstarters and self-publishing was worth it? I'm so happy I made these books. They're so much fun. I get a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. There's sometimes 30 days of hell through Kickstarter. There's a lot of long travel to conferences. Again, hashtag privilege. Um, a lot of, get really tired at the end. But there, are, it's like the best career choice I made. I'm so happy I decided to jump off that diving board into the pool of, self, of self-publishing because my career and where I am in, in life has been measurably improved by working on these books.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found at least one or two tidbits that you found useful. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll hit subscribe and tell your friends.